Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi. What a week. I, where to even start? I hope you all heard my update on David getting fired, my special update. Oh, still no movement on the Janelle front. There are rumors that Janelle's getting fired. There are rumors that she's not getting fired. So I guess that's a wait and see situation. However, David is definitely gone. What's going to happen next? I have no idea. But there's been a lot of news this week. One, Cortland Rogers, Janelle's ex-husband. I almost said boyfriend, but he's an ex-husband. Was arrested for selling drugs. He has been saying he's clean. He even had some crazy tweets this week, last week saying that Janelle is the whole reason that he got into heroin, which, like, I highly doubt. Do not believe for one second. That man had an extensive criminal history before even meeting Janelle. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's her fault. Anyway, he has been, like, on one on Twitter recently. Uh, his current wife is, I believe, nine months pregnant, and he was arrested and is being held without bond because of his extensive criminal history. Apparently, he was selling his Suboxone and ketamine. Um, I know people do ketamine. I know people still do ketamine. Raves are back, after all. Who doesn't want to be in a good K-hole? But, <laughs> I mean, good luck and Godspeed to Cortland. I don't think the outcome looks very good for him. I wonder what North Carolina's stance is on habitual felons, because there's no way this is not at least his third felony. He's about to get it pretty badly, I think. So uh, let's all keep Cortland in our thoughts and prayers. <laughs> and the other big news of the week is that Farah is suing MTV and Viacom and some of the production people personally for $5 million. Now, I high key recommend that you all read the lawsuit like take time and read the whole lawsuit because it's it's insane i'm assuming she got some sort of lawyer to agree to take this case on for a hefty retainer i mean i'm assuming she's also gonna have to pay out contingency but i don't think any lawyer thinks she's gonna be getting money if you're wondering what fair is suing for it's wrongful termination sex shaming literally it says sex shaming multiple times in the lawsuit and they're also saying that she was fired for not con uh conforming to gender stereotypes which i <laughs> i don't know Farrah released a 14 minute youtube video in which she goes off about this and the youtube video starts off and of course, Sophia is sitting next to her in the YouTube video, because why wouldn't Sophia be sitting next to her in the YouTube video? You know, what are we doing here if Sophia is not sitting next to her in the YouTube video? And she starts off being like, I have some things to say, and so does Sophia, but I'll probably have more things to say than her. Oh my God. She says the whole reason she's homeschooling is because of school shootings, which like, 
yeah, I don't, I don't believe that at all. When she says that, uh, Sophia, like, finger cocks her gun, like, cocks finger guns and, like, starts pretending to shoot, which is a lot. Um, <laughs> she goes on this crazy rant at one point on the screen is just, like, texts that's, like, discrimination against mothers or women and mothers are protected class. Hold on, let me figure out exactly what she says. So for about four minutes as she's talking, it just says text across the screen that says, hurting mothers and children is illegal, especially to protected classes. And then at the end, she also has, thank you for listening to our message. Break this cycle. And then in smaller text, show your support. Stop watching all teen mom shows. End child abuse and illegal acts. She's been doing a lot of hashtagging of of illegal all week. Uh, Yesterday or the day before, she made a post on Instagram that said that you need to stop being mean to widows, which, like, she's not a widow, you know, at all. Uh, Seeing how much attention David got for his statements, she is now saying that she's standing up for all women children and the lgbt what does the lgbt have to do with her lawsuit i don't know guys i don't know Uh, obviously the lawyer told her that they're going to go after mtv for suing and sue them for firing her for being a member of, of a protected class which basically just means okay even if you work in an at will state there are certain things that you cannot be fired for ever and one of them is gender not gender identity, unfortunately, at least on a federal level in some states, but essentially you cannot be fired just for being a woman. Now, this happens all the time. It's pretty hard to prove, but when her lawyer writes in the lawsuit, like, she was uh, fired for being a member of a protected class, it basically just means she was fired for being a woman. Now, Farah obviously just learned what this means and has run with it. She is now writing protected class on everything. Uh, it, it It's a lot. I'm just going to read this one Instagram post. It's about sex shaming, not celebrity sex tapes. Put a stop to wrongful termination of employment because others do not conform to gender stereotypes. Hashtag times up. Hashtag sex shaming. Hashtag gender. Hashtag women empowerment. Hashtag sexual harassment, hashtag stereotypes, hashtag bullying, hashtag illegal, hashtag sexist, hashtag discrimination, hashtag LGBT. Yeah. So what does LGBT have to do with this? Nothing. Will Time's Up be sending her a cease and desist? I would hope so. If I'm Time's Up, I would not want her to be using the name. <laughs> uh, they repeatedly asked for a jury trial in the in the motion. I am... Very excited to see how this plays out. I cannot wait to see her get fired. Supposedly, according to clips, it's happening next week. Uh, Farah is losing her goddamn mind. What do I think is going on with Farah? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. So I think Farah does a lot of cocaine. I think she does a lot of cocaine. I also think she has some sort of personality disorder, something that affects her ability to process language correctly. And because if you go back and you watch the first, like her 16 and pregnant in the first few seasons of Teen Mom, like she's a brat and she's mean, but she has the ability to speak clearly. 
She still has that awful tone of voice that I've, like, extensively talked about on here. And how I think that Farrah would be, like, a hundred times more likable. She just didn't use that awful tone of voice that she always uses. But I just... I don't know. Do do I believe that Farrah, like, genuinely believes her bullshit? I think so. I... I don't know. Farrah's a real enigma to me because I can't tell if she's acting, if she's telling the truth, what's going on. She just confuses me. I think she does a lot of cocaine, though. And I think that's the motivation behind a lot of her rants, especially the Twitter rants and the YouTube videos. When she is, like, going balls to the wall, I think that's cocaine. And some mental health issues. I mean, I, I think most of us would be shocked if she didn't have mental health issues. You know, wouldn't, would you be shocked? I would be shocked. So, yeah, a lot a lot happened in the Team Mom world this week. Uh, also, Radar is reporting. I mean, I know Radar is our paper of record, but I don't know just how reliable they are. That now MTV is also considering Mackenzie to maybe replace Mackenzie McKee. To maybe, instead of replacing Farrah, to replace Janelle on Teen Mom 2. I don't know. I'm not so sure of that. Um, I don't see why they would add a fifth girl to Teen Mom 2. And why, if they got rid of Janelle, why they wouldn't just drop to four. There's no way they can only have three girls on OG. No fucking way. They're going to have to fill that fourth slot. And I just really don't see them doing it with Mackenzie Edwards. I just don't understand how that's how they could possibly have Mackenzie Edwards be one of the teen moms, you know, capital T, capital M, one of the teen moms on OG. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense because Macy does not have enough material to have her own storyline. I just, I just don't get it. Janelle, they could easily take, let me rephrase that. Janelle, they could theoretically, not easily, because I don't know how Teen Mom 2 goes on without Janelle, but Janelle, they could theoretically move her off of Teen Mom 2. And they could still follow the four girls. Now, how do we feel about the five-girl format now that we're back to watching OG? I think I like it. I kind of miss having the five girls to, like, flip through quickly. I think it adds more drama to the show because we're spending way less time with each girl. So we don't need as much filler. And they can do episodes where they only show us, like, if nothing's going on in Leah's life, we only have to see, like, three minutes of Leah the entire episode. And they can't really do that on OG with only having the four girls. I also wonder if maybe MTV would streamline the two shows and combine them. With Young and Pregnant or whatever the fuck that show is called, which, by the way, I'm still not sure if I'm watching it. As of now, I really have no plans to cover it on this show. Um, I could briefly talk about it, possibly, but I really, I just, I don't, I don't really have a lot of desire to watch it. I don't really have a lot of desire to recap it, and I'm pretty sure we're going to go back to back on Teen Mom OG and Teen Mom 2. Now, if, te- if they push back Teen Mom 2, I really feel like I've talked about this before, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but as I've said, I go into a few state when I record these things, and it's hard to keep track. But if there is a lapse between OG and T-Mom 2, I may consider covering Young and Pregnant. But if there's not, I don't don't think I will unless it's like fucking incredible and explosive and the girls are acting crazy online. 
So, you know, I guess time will tell when it comes to Young and Pregnant. But if MTV really wants to put, you know, all their support behind Young and Pregnant, I could foresee a show that has five of the teen moms and it combines OG and Teen Mom 2 Girls in a world where they fire Farrah and Janelle for real. I could see a, I guess they would keep Macy because of Mac and Ryan, Kale, Amber. Mm, that's where it gets complicated. Maybe Kate and Leah? Ugh, I don't know. I'd have to tweak it a little bit. But I can see them combining into a five-girl one series. I think that could be interesting. It could be a good way to handle this. I'm just not sure how they keep Team Mom 2 going without Janelle, who is, as we all know, the heart of this show. Now, am I in the back of my head a little worried that Team Mom 2 and Team Mom OG will be coming to an end totally? Yeah, I mean, it will be upsetting, but the reality is we have at least one more season of Team Mom 2 because they're filming right now. And I'm pretty sure OG is still filming for next season. I'm pretty sure they're, like, going right through the way that they have been. So I think we have at least one more season of each show, which will get us probably through 2018. Now, will I still want to be doing this podcast in 2019? Maybe. What will I do theoretically if Team Mom 2 and Team Mom OG is canceled and I want to continue on with feathers in my hair? It's hard to say. Who knows where I'll even be in my life when that happens? But theoretically, let's say both the shows get canceled and I still want to do feathers in my hair. Guess what? I'm really not concerned about it. I have hundreds of hours of content. Like, I have so much fucking content to go through. I've only been doing this podcast for a year, guys. I've only been through, what, two Team Mom 2 seasons and we're on the second Team Mom OG season. Like, we have a lot to talk about. Ideally, what I would do if both of those shows got canceled is that I would go back, I would recap all the Team Mom 2 16 and Pregnant episodes I haven't done, and then we would watch Teen Mom 2 from the beginning. Maybe even we would watch OG from the beginning, too, from when it was just Teen Mom, and each week I would alternate. Episode 1 of OG, episode 1 of Teen Mom 2, and alternate and go through fucking the six to seven seasons that I have not recapped. There's so much content. Also, fucking six seasons of 16 and Pregnant. I could even theoretically do Teen Mom 3 or Teen Mom UK, even though, as I've stated many times, neither one of those are canon. I would still consider it. So have no fear. There is so much content for Feathers in My Hair to go back on. I I think people would really enjoy I think watching Teen Mom 2 especially Teen Mom 2 from the beginning, would be so fucking interesting. Would the episodes be as long without the current events popped in? I don't know. But Feathers in My Hair has got stuff. I've got material. Have no fear. Okay, before I get to this week's episode, I do quickly want to touch on Being Gary. Did I love Being Gary? I don't know. It was weird. It was not like when I watched Being Nathan and I was like, oh my God, what the, this is incredible. Being Nathan is by far the gold standard of all being specials. There has not, there, it's almost impossible to top because the reality is like we're just probably never going to get another like type of situation that Nate has with any of the other characters. 
honestly, I fucking hate Nate, but at this point, I'm like, give Nate a spinoff. Like, if we can get Maximum being Nathan all the time, yeah, I would watch the shit out of that because, you know, I'm a garbage human and like to see bad people rewarded for their bad behavior. You know what's funny? In real life, I'm like a somebody that it's a really, it's a personality default of mine. I'm like obsessed with justice and things being fair and watching bad people get rewarded for bad behavior honestly like enrages me like nothing else. But when it comes to reality TV, I'm like reward the worst behavior possible. It's very weird. I wonder why that is. Like when I see someone that I know doing bad things, like somebody at work or if I'm in school or whatever, like cheating, lying, stealing, and then being rewarded for it, I honestly want to go, like, full Teresa Giudice and, like, flip a fucking table. But on these shows, I'm like, give Nate a spinoff, even though I think he is a literal monster who will one day murder someone. I am all for him having a spinoff. It's why I don't want to see Janelle kicked off this show. It's why I don't, I didn't really want David kicked off. I want to, I want to be clear on this. And I think, I hope in my little bonus episode I wouldn't call it my breaking news, which, by the way, I hope you guys like the music. Don't ever let anybody tell you I'm not an editing genius. Um, it's not that I didn't want Nate or uh, David to be fired because I think they were 100% justified in firing David. But I didn't necessarily want him to be fired because I just don't care about how bad their off-TV antics are because that's why I watch them. I watch them because they're garbage people who entertain me. So, being Gary, wow, that was weird, right? I'm not going to do a full recap. I'm going to be honest, I like fell asleep towards the end of it because I took my melatonin early. It was a whole big thing. But I've read recaps. I watched most of it. I got the gist of it. I am, like, shocked. I do think what set Being Gary apart from the really flop Bean specials, I did not watch Being Javi. I will not watch Being Javi. Unless Being Javi is about Javi and Brianna's relationship, I am in no way interested for it. From what I've read, it's pretty obvious they just took extra footage of Javi from last season and, like, made it a Bean special, which, like, no care. No care at all for that. Bean V was despicable. It was so boring. <laughs> she wasn't being despicable, but it's like so... How MTV had the nerve to put that on air is fucking beyond me. Being Matt, also pretty boring. Being Matt should have been like MTV going and finding all of like his baby moms and kids that he ignores and doing a special on them and like having an intervention style confrontation with Matt. That would have been iconic. MTV, what the fuck are you doing? So, these Bean Hobby, Bean V, Bean Matt, like, these Bean specials that don't have a concrete storyline with, like, a clear villain or a clear situation that we're following are boring. Like, Bean V, like, I'm planning my wedding. Like, literally the conflict of Bean V is that she's trying to plan her wedding while living in Delaware and her family lives in New Jersey, which is a cool two hours away. I could not give any less of a shit about that. <laughs> I do not care about the struggles of planning a wedding when your family lives two hours away. And I don't really care about you being homesick when you live two hours from your family. Sorry, V. I just don't care. That's why being V didn't work. V and Javi is apparently just him like doing CrossFit and shit. Don't care. 
what made being Gary work was that we there was like a clear central conflict and problem, which is his mom, which I don't think any of us teen mom heads knew about. Did you guys know about this? I was always in the impression, under the impression that Gary was very close with his mom. I'll be honest, I haven't rewatched Amber 16 Pregnant in years, and I really haven't watched a lot of the early teen mom. I keep wanting to say the early OG seasons, but the reality is that's not. It's the early teen mom seasons. So I hope when you guys, I'm just going to, I feel like I'm writing a contract right now, like typing up a contract for my boss. And imagine this says parentheses, teen mom and teen mom OG, parentheses, quotation marks, OG. So when I say teen mom OG, I just mean teen mom and teen mom OG. Wow, nobody cared about that rant. But I care to be correct. <laughs> so when I say early OG seasons, I mean like season one of Teen Mom. So I haven't rewatched those in a long time. So I don't remember his mom like bringing guys in and out of the picture. I don't know if they showed that. I guess I need to rewatch these. But what happened that I do know is that when Amber lost custody initially, Gary also lost custody of Leah and his mom was the one that took emergency custody of Leah and had custody of Leah for a pretty significant period of time until Gary was able to regain custody through the state. Gary's mom, like, essentially raised Leah until Christina came along and stepped in. Now, I'm not saying Gary did nothing, but his mom was the one that did the heavy lifting with Leah by 100%. And then I think Christina came in and Christina does the heavy lifting now. Because Leah, you have to remember, Leah was like, turning five when Gary and Christina were together. So Leah's been in the picture for a long time. I think Gary, Amber went to prison when Leah was like two or three. And I, when she was like three, and I think she had lost custody for about a year before that when she was two. So really there was only like two years that Gary had her on his own. And really it was his mom raising her. So I always assume that Leah and Gary's mom were very close. I assume that Gary and his mom were very close. So I was pretty shocked to find that he essentially has no relationship with his mom. Christina has no relationship with her. Leah has no relationship with her. And Emily has no relationship with her. I was shocked. Also, apparently, Gary's mom is Amber. I mean, do, do we all recognize this? That Gary's mom seems to display the exact same borderline personality disorder symptoms that Amber does with the parading men in and out, only caring about her kids when it's like convenient to her and that it's not in the way of the relationships with the men, like only coming around when she needs something. Like I was blown away by this. I was truly shocked. And that's what made this being Gary special interesting is that there was like a clear conflict because why we're watching Teen Mom for conflicts. We're not watching Teen Mom to follow somebody around plan their and just plan their wedding. We're watching Teen Mom to follow someone around planning their wedding with their alcoholic father and how to please him. <laughs> so yeah, being Gary was very weird. His mom Gary talks way too much about his mom's sex life. Way he knows way too much about his mom's sex life. It's very weird and uncomfortable. I did not like that one bit. Gary's mom is now dating Gary's dad, Jody, who Gary does not look like. Apparently next week on Teen Mom, they're going to take a paternity test, which I think might be a good idea. 
Jody was never in the picture. Now he's back in the picture, but apparently he has erectile dysfunction and doesn't take Viagra because Gary's mom isn't getting fucked enough, according to her. I was, I was just shocked by the whole thing, if I'm being, like, completely honest. The whole thing was quite shocking to me. I thought it was a good and valiant effort put forth by Teen Mom as far as a bean special goes. Good for you. They all go on a family vacation. Jody proposes. Why can't I think of Gary's mom's name off the top of my head? I want to call her Crystal, even though I know that's not her name. It was just really crazy to watch. I liked it. I would suggest you guys watch Being Gary. And now, let's get on to the episode. What happened this week? This week's episode wasn't very good. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to start with Farah. I think just because, you know, she's my girl of the week and she's in L yeah, she's in LA to do it. She keeps saying her mom and she are doing a teen mom special, but really it was the New Year's Eve special and I was trying to figure out the whole time what special they filmed in October and then at the end they're clearly at the New Year's Eve party. So I just think it's kind of funny that they're making it seem like she was there just for her own special. Also, I'm pretty sure Michael and Amy were at that New Year's Eve party. So, yeah, where where were they this episode? And it's Deb's birthday. And so they're going to... Well, first, Farrah and Sophia are taking a baking class. And then we get a little scene of Deb in her hotel room. And Dr. David calls to wish her a happy birthday. And... <laughs> As soon as Deb says, like, I got this, I'm going to make a song about how many days till our wedding. He's like, gotta go, buddy. Doctor's calling me and basically hung up on her. <laughs> and Kristen, the producer's like, it's it's great that you got to talk to him. That's really great. <laughs> it was so weird. I can't imagine filming with Deb. I just, I can't imagine but Deb does say something very interesting, which is she starts talking about Farrah doing porn. And she says she did a sex tape a couple years ago and it was a mistake. But now she's moving forward and I'm like, thank God. Except now she's doing an adult webcam video. And I just want us to all get along. Now, is this the first time they've explicitly mentioned Farrah's sex tape, celebrity sex tape, as she wants us to call it, on Teen Mom? I think so. I'm pretty sure they mentioned it in being Farah. I vaguely, I know they talked at least about like the vagina molds that she was making. Cause I remember saying, Deb saying like, everybody uses, everybody uses sex toys. Like it's fine that you want to sell them. But I don't think in teen mom proper that they have specifically talked about her sex tape or really any of her like sex work stuff, which is kind of crazy. And I've talked about this before that Farrah's storylines would be way more interesting if they openly and honestly talked about the fact that she's a sex worker and does strip club appearances and runs a campsite called Farrah and Friends and makes money like selling lingerie and dildos. And it just, they leave out this huge part. And I've always wondered if it was MTV or if it was teen if it was Ferris decision. Now people are asking me why I think she got fired because she's been doing, as I said, the sex work the entire time that the show has been on. 
I think the issue was, is the way the cam show had been advertised. Because remember, there were two cam shows. She did the first one that I talked about, like, watching the free clips of. And she was, like, using the Hitachi magic wand, but, like, not even turning it on. And it was just, like, really weird. And then I think what set MTV and Viacom over the edge was that she was doing the second cam show, which was being advertised, like, really explicitly. Like, Farrah from Teen Mom backdoor cam show. Like, it was being explicitly advertised is that she was going to do anal on camera. Now, if I'm MTV, I would have a problem with that. Will this be a little controversial, what I'm saying? Maybe. Should we be shaming sex workers? No. But the reality of the situation is that sex work is stigmatized and that porn is stigmatized. And MTV has every right to say that we don't want our brand associated with you doing anal on camera. That's their right. And I know that angers people and people don't think that that's fair, but I disagree. MTV has to answer to advertisers, just like they've had advertisers drop out for this David thing, which is why they fired David. If advertisers are saying, like, we're not going to sponsor your show because you, one of your stars is getting it up the ass on camera while recording your series, like, we're not going to advertise with that. That's in MTV's right. Nobody's saying, like, this is a family-friendly show. I understand on camera, like, way worse has happened. Janelle is nodded out. Like, all of these drug, the drug use, the violence. I, I understand that. So I'm not sitting here and saying that porn is worse than those things. This is not my personal morality, like, call. But we have to be open and honest about the society we live in and the fact that MTV has to answer to its sponsors. And if MTV sponsors are saying, like, hey, we saw that one of your stars is using your name to advertise her on-camera anal show, we're not cool with that, then of course MTV has to step in and say, you can't do your on-camera anal show, hashtag anal. <laughs> Remember when she was hashtagging things with anal? That was amazing. Um, you can't do your on-camera anal show and be on Teen Mom. I think that's totally fair for Teen Mom and MTV and Viacom to protect their brand. Now, is what is their brand? I understand they already have a controversial brand, but I'm sorry, I just, I don't see that as wrong or as sex-shaming Farah. That's not how the world works. It's just the reality of the situation. So, I don't know, is that controversial? Maybe, but it kind of is the way it is in society. So Deb is fake crying, talking about how she wants everybody to get along and she doesn't want Farrah to hate her and she wants everybody at her wedding and she shouldn't do porn, basically. So they all go to aerial yoga, which Farrah is fine with because she doesn't want to talk to her mom. <laughs> and we find out that after the class, Farrah is going to an appointment. So Sophia is going to go back to the hotel with Deb, which, by the way, like, Notice how when it's convenient for Farah, Deb is allowed to spend time with Sophia. <laughs> when it's convenient for Farah, it's all cool for Sophia to go off on her own with Deb. When Farah has to go to get vaginal rejuvenation, like, sure, Deb is fine for Sophia to be around. <laughs> Classic. 
So Deb and Sophia are in the car and Deb says, well, are you coming to my wedding? Which is totally inappropriate. Fuck you, Deb, for even asking Sophia that. It's so fucked up a Deb to even put that on Sophia. But that's who Deb is and that's what Deb does. And Sophia says, yeah. And Deb says, really? And Sophia's like, I'm just kidding. And Deb's like, wait, what? And she said, no, I want to come. If you guys notice, Sophia is so comfortable. She's so relaxed. She's laughing. She seems to be into the idea of going to the wedding. In my opinion, it was not Sophia just pleasing Deb and giving Deb what she wanted to hear. She was being open and honest. And I'm not surprised that when mom's not around, she gives the answer that's probably true. That she wants to go to Deb's wedding. Sophia loves Deb. And when Farrah's not there, like, it's so clear how comfortable Sophia is with Deb. Like, that, that's not somebody she's afraid of. That's not somebody she dislikes. But it was so fucked up for Deb to even bring it up. And Deb is such an awful asshole and a manipulator for doing that in the first place. So we get a quick scene of Farrah doing vaginal rejuvenation, which is unnecessary. I don't like it on the housewives. I don't need it on Teen Mom. I just... Nope. I re- I really don't need it. We find out that there's no downtime and that Farrah can have sex right away, which is great. I mean, I really good for if Farrah wants vaginal rejuvenation, like congrats, good for you. I support that 100%. Like everybody should do with their vagina what they want to do, but I just don't care to see it on a reality show. I've never cared. I don't I just it's not, it's just not what I want. It's just really not what I want to see. So Deb tells the producer when she's getting full hair and makeup for this MTV special and she's wearing a literal prom dress. Deb tells the producer that Sophia said she wants to come to her wedding and she thinks Farrah and Sophia are going to surprise her by coming to the wedding, which I guess Farrah kind of does, <laughs> you know, like kind of. So everyone's getting ready for the photo shoot and Deb is all finished. So she goes down and waits in the car and then the producers clearly set up a scene. I think they're thinking in their heads, like, how are we going to edit this? I've been very interested in how they're editing Farrah's scenes for the last couple weeks. I think they're making her, not making her look worse because she's probably doing that on her own, but definitely showing her being worse than they used to show her, if that makes any sense at all to you guys. Uh, David and Kristen, the producers, are like, okay, we're waiting on Farrah. Deb is in the car, but she's totally fine. I asked if she needed a water. She didn't need it. Like, clearly they want us to know that David and Kristen are, like, not making Deb suffer in the car. So Farrah comes down, and she realizes Deb was waiting, and she loses her shit. She calls Kristen. She's like, get Kristen over here. And she's like, Kristen, I know I don't like you and I don't even want to look at you. But if you have my mom wait for 30 minutes, don't do that anymore. Yeah, what she said no, made no sense. She basically tells Kristen to fuck off like three or four times. She's disgusting to her. I don't care how badly these producers set up this segment. You do not speak to people that way. I have never in my life spoken to anybody that way ever even like a shitty boyfriend like I've never cursed somebody out like that there's just no need and I've seen people be like well you know like production pusher like I'm sorry no 
I am a per- I'm a believe. You know, I grew up with a dad that yelled a lot and like was an asshole. And I'm a believer in that nobody can push you to behave like that. You either behave like that or you don't. Now, have I been rude? Yeah. Have I been mean? Yeah, of course. But I have never gone off like that on anybody. I like I'm not saying that I haven't been awful to people because I've absolutely been awful to people. But I've never gotten in someone's face and cursed them out like that. It's just unnecessary. You either speak that way to people or you don't. And it doesn't matter how anybody else talks to you because you just don't treat people that way. Farah posted, you know, some, she took screen caps of Kristen and David's Facebook when they were like laughing about this scene and they're like, oh, this was a lot. And she said, the lying, but she spelled lying, L-I-E-I-N-G. The lying idiot producers out themselves how fucking stupid you can you be at Teen Mom at MTV. Like this fake scene about me from people I fired as these producers, and she's using producers in quotes, slander and fake lies, lies and scenes to be around a real celebrity, an epic fail at MTV at Viacom. Not legal discrimination, exclamation point, moved on from this show. Never fired. Enjoy MTV lies. They're jealous and the network show suck. In an eye emoji. Fair wins. Viacom uses teen moms. Mistreats kids. So, okay. First of all, let's talk about the fact that she thinks she can fire producers, which the Ashley talked about in her article uh, about Fair being fired like weeks ago and said that she would do this thing where she fired producers and the producers weren't allowed to come anywhere near her, which is insane. Second of all, she literally says in this fucking Instagram post from five days ago, so like two days before her lawsuit was published, moved on from this show, never fired. So which is it, fair? Like, MTV is screen capping this stuff, and they're going to say, when they go into court and say Farrah was wrongly terminated, they're going to say, Farrah says right here she was never terminated and that she left the show on her own. She's so stupid. She's been running her mouth all week about this shit. And she's not like how this lawyer, whatever lawyer she has, has not been like, you need to shut the fuck up and never mention MTV and Viacom on social media again if you want a chance at winning this and delete everything you've ever posted is beyond me. Can you imagine Farrah being your client as a lawyer? I can just imagine as her as a receptionist calling a law firm that I worked at. Oh my God. She probably curses out the receptionist when the lawyer's avoiding her calls. She's one of those people. Farrah is just a nasty person, and I don't give a fuck what happened in her childhood. I don't give a fuck how her mom treats her. I don't even give a fuck how MTV treats her. You cannot treat people the way that she does. And that's it for Farrah this week. God, I cannot wait to see her get fired this week. I just, I truly can't wait. I'm going to go on to Macy after a five-second break. So I'll be honest, I read a lot about this week's episode before I watched it, and I was expecting Ryan to be drunk at a level, if you guys watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta, I'll use that for comparison, Peter Thomas marrying Cynthia, who I thought was going to literally fall over during their ceremony because he was so drunk. Was Ryan was drunk, don't get me wrong, and he got drunker through the night, but was he that much more drunk than anyone I've ever known at any wedding. 
I feel like everybody who I know has gotten married was drunk during their ceremony. <laughs> Like, they drank while getting ready, they drank in the limo to the, or to the ceremony, then they got drunk at the ceremony, or not at the ceremony, they had the ceremony, then they drank on the way to the reception, then they got really drunk at the reception. I thought that's just, like, what happened at weddings. Ryan didn't seem inappropriately drunk to me in any way, shape, or form. Now, can we have the conversation about the fact, should Ryan be drinking because he's, like, an opiate addict, I was going to say in recovery, but obviously he's not in recovery. I've talked extensively on this podcast at one point, even started crying, if you'll remember, about the fact that you're not in recovery if you are drinking. But does, should Ryan be drinking? No, we all know Ryan shouldn't be drinking. But Ryan's been drinking since the fucking day he got out of rehab and they had that goddamn barbecue and he was drinking. Like, we know Ryan drinks. So I want to look at, this is why this is so hard to discuss, because Ryan shouldn't be drinking at all, but Ryan is drinking and has clearly been drinking the whole time he's out of rehab. So I don't really see, I don't think he was inappropriately drunk at this wedding, maybe towards the end, like a little bit, but people were acting like he was going to pass out during his ceremony. People are like, he had to be drunk to marry her. Ha ha ha. I think he was just partying. Like, I really don't think Ryan's drinking was like the main concern of this wedding. I'm pretty sure Macy and Taylor were just as drunk at their wedding. I'm like pretty positive. Macy was really drunk at her wedding, if you guys remember, which which is okay. Like, it's the party you're throwing. You're allowed to be drunk. Also, not for nothing. Like, why did they even have this ceremony? It was so stupid. They should have just canceled this. They never should have had it. They should have just continued living their lives as married people. This was tacky. The cash bar, tacky. But could you imagine the internet's outrage if they had an open bar? Who boy, people would be, people would be flipped. They would be flipped the fuck out. Anyway, let's start at the beginning. Really, the main concern for me watching this was just how much of a fucking asshole Ryan is. The drinking is whatever. Ryan's a goddamn asshole. He's so mean. He is so mean to Mackenzie, and I don't care what Mackenzie has done. She does not deserve the way that Ryan spoke to her on her wedding day. Also, I'm pretty sure he was questioning her so much about money because he wanted her to give him cash so he could go cop. I'm like, I really feel like that might have been the case. It was, okay, the editing on this wedding was so weird. Did you guys notice, like, how weird the editing was? I don't think the editing did them any favors. It's pretty clear that music was playing the whole night. So what they did, since they didn't have the rights to any of the music, I think even one of the producers, MTV, did, like, a little after show segment or put a segment online, and one of the producers say they walked in to pour some sugar on me. So I think because they didn't have any rights to the music, they must have edited out all background noise and just put in them, like, speaking on mic and then music over, like, the music in the background. And I think it made it seem really weird. I kept being like, why is the DJ not announcing anybody? Like, what's going on? I think a lot of this wedding was weird editing. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but that's how I feel. Macy was essentially not in this episode. <laughs> she basically wasn't here at all. And they, Ryan, the episode starts out with everybody getting ready. Ryan 
they have a little joke that he needs his brush and his hairspray and Mackenzie's getting ready with her girlfriends and she's talking about how much she can't wait to hear Ryan's vows because she just wants to hear what he has to say and her friend even says don't get me wrong I'm sure Ryan's creative which like what when has Ryan ever given any of us the belief that he's creative (laughs) I could not quite figure out what they meant with that why the fuck would Mackenzie trust Ryan to write vows can can someone explain that to me why Mackenzie thought that was a good idea I I just Mackenzie can you call me next time you plan a wedding I'm sure there's going to be another one, which would technically be like her fourth wedding, which would be a lot considering she's about 21 years old. But why, why would she want Ryan to write his own vows? In what world has Ryan ever been a creative thinker who expresses his feelings well? Have we ever seen him do that? Do you think Ryan and Mackenzie have some, like, secret, very deep relationship that we're just not privy to? Because I can't think of any worse idea. (laughs) I just, I, I don't know what she was expecting him to do. And while Ryan's getting ready, we get the first mention of somebody around him saying, Ryan, did you write your vows down? And he says he's not writing anything down. And that's a bad choice. Ryan made a bad choice. He should have had somebody else write him vows. He should have had his daddy, who's quite good at emotionally expressing himself, write his vows for him. Because the speech he gave later in the night, he should have just written that down and had Ryan say it at the altar. (laughs) I think Ryan just kind of knows, like, okay. Ryan is not being forced to marry Mackenzie. Well, Ryan's already married to Mackenzie. Ryan's not being forced to go through with this. People are acting like Mackenzie weekend at Bernie's Ryan into this wedding. That's not what's going on. Ryan is going into this knowing damn well what he's doing. But it's so obvious that he just does not care about any of this. I really think Ryan's like, we already got married. Why are we doing this again? So we see a little scene of Mackenzie like taking her photos with her bridesmaids and then Ryan pulls up and gets out and everybody like flips out and is like Ryan get out of here and Mackenzie like hides behind a bush and it's just like you guys are already married I I have an issue with uh second marriages (laughs) not second marriages second weddings I have an issue with second weddings I just I you guys know I didn't like it when Chelsea did it And I don't really like it here. I just think it's kind of weird. I I don't totally get it. I there are some situations where I can understand and at least Mackenzie and Ryan just like literally eloped. But at the same time, just like Chelsea, she wore a wedding dress. You know, Ryan already saw you in a wedding dress. Like if you want to like do this thing where you wear wedding dresses again so you can have nice pictures like okay fine but why are we pretending like ryan can't see her before the ceremony and there needs to be some big reveal why are we pretending like ryan's gonna care i think that's my big issue why are we constantly pretending like ryan cares about any of this mackenzie girlfriend give it up honestly like i feel sad watching mackenzie 
because she is so desperate for something that is so not there and that is so obvious to all of us that it's not there and I'm not sure why she can't figure that out (laughs) can she figure out and she's just ignoring it I mean I am I do know why because I've been there. We haven't, I'm, I mean, thank God I didn't marry my asshole boyfriend. We didn't go through the wedding. But I've been there when I had the asshole boyfriend that I knew was an asshole boyfriend. And I just couldn't bring myself to leave him no matter what. And I just feel like Mackenzie is, it's pathetic watching her. I know people on the internet call her Snake Kenzie and think she's like the worst thing to ever exist. And like, I'll be honest, I don't feel that way when I watch her. I don't feel like she is evil. I feel like she's pathetic. And it's hard for me to hate her because she is just so pathetic to watch. It's depressing to me to watch her. So Ryan pulls up and he's like ready to take shots. Which once again, like, I don't think is a huge deal because... For a few reasons. One, it's, like, fine if he wants to get drunk. It's a party. And two, like, they're already married. (laughs) Who cares if he's drunk through the second ceremony? I mean, he was high on the first one. Ryan's groomsman asks again if he's going to write his vows down. And he says, I'm just going to wing it. And it's just so dark how little Ryan cares about this whole thing. He just He does not give one flying fuck about any of this. We see cute little huddles walk down the aisles of groomsmen. I don't think he's a ring bearer. I think he was like a groomsman. And Mackenzie's dad walks her down the aisle. I think, no, I guess we saw them before. Do we see Ryan? I think we might have only seen Mackenzie's mom before. Ryan is chewing on a fat ass lip of dip at the altar and did you guys notice that the pastor looked very old and also very mean? He didn't seem like a loving pastor. He says, the pastor says, and they prepare their own vows. And then we have this awkward, like, 30 seconds of them going back and forth about who's going to say their vows first. Which was very weird. <laughs> this did not seem well planned. <laughs> And Ryan says about 14 words. He says, I promise to love you and be faithful and be your best friend. It was not touching whatsoever. But once again, what did we expect? And Mackenzie, of course, has a long multi-paragraph thing. (laughs) And this is where I first noticed the editing being very weird. Like, there's no background noise from the crowd whatsoever it's just what's picked up on the microphone of Mackenzie and Ryan oh by the way we saw Macy and Taylor come in before the wedding I forgot to mention that and they're pretty drunk but they're always pretty drunk do I think Macy's an alcoholic no I don't think Macy's an alcoholic would I be surprised if it came out Macy had a drinking problem no I wouldn't be surprised but I don't actively think that she's an alcoholic but her and Taylor drink a lot And it's so weird. People get so defensive about it. And they say it's totally normal, which, like, I don't know. Maybe it is. But they drink a lot. I don't think it's necessarily abnormal. But I do think it's weird how people pretend like it's not happening. (laughs) Like, Macy's lit in this episode, which, once again, is fine. They're at a wedding. But Macy's lit a lot. And I don't really know why we pretend like that's not the case. Uh... 
they walk Ryan and Mackenzie walk out of the chapel and have the most hard to watch fight. Ryan's like, I'm ready to party. And Mac is like, stop. You need to calm down. And he's like, why are you being such like a buzzkill? Like, what's going on with you? And Mackenzie's like, I don't feel good. I feel sick. I haven't eaten. And Mackenzie seems like she wants to kill Ryan. And this, it's guys. Okay. I, you know what? They eloped. It's fine. Should they have eloped? No, of course not. They should not be dating. But they did elope. And if that's the choice they want to make, that's the choice they want to make. And none of us can say anything about it. But why are they doing this big ceremony if they are in such a bad place? Which they clearly are. That's what I don't get. At least Chelsea and Kolek are fucking obsessed with each other. And love each other. And their second reception was like a ceremony of love. You guys know it like pains me to say that. But it's the truth. They love each other. They played like a 10 minute long video about how much they love each other at their wedding. And they had fun. And their family and friends love them being together. And it's great. I this Ryan and Mackenzie wedding is so dark because they hate each other. Like, Mackenzie seems to hate Ryan, too. Like, that's the craziest part. It's not like Mackenzie seems head over heels in love with Ryan and that she just needs to be with Ryan and Ryan hates her, but she loves him. Like, Mackenzie seems to full-on hate Ryan. <laughs> Does everybody else notice that? I mean, I guess she's with him for his money, and we find that out because... They start fighting about money at their wedding. Mackenzie tells Ryan she has to pay the bartender because it's a cash bar. And Ryan's like, okay, well, do you have any money? And she's like, well, I've had about 100. And he's like, you had five grand the other day. And then they take some shots, like, pretending to smile. And they walk on the floor and like, oh, it's our first dance. Like, is there no DJ to announce the first dance? Like, get the audience's attention. I don't know if production made them say that because they weren't going to include the DJ at all. Maybe the DJ wouldn't sign a release. It was just, there was little to no fanfare here, which was very, it was just confusing for me. And Mackenzie basically is like, I have, I paid our bills. Like I have the receipts. He's like, I know that shit didn't cost $5,000. And I don't know, does Mac, is there a spending problem with Mackenzie? I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe Mackenzie is spending all of Ryan's money. Maybe Ryan's mad about it. But they have their first dance and they're literally arguing about the money. And before the first dance starts, Mackenzie's like, I don't even remember what song we picked. <laughs> Which seems out of character for Mackenzie. I thought she would ha know every single detail of this wedding. She, They have this weird first dance and Mackenzie says that Ryan is hammered. Oof. And after the dance, she goes up to her friends and basically talks shit on the vows that Ryan made, which is tough to hear. And her friend turns to her and <laughs> goes, that was the most awkward first dance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so rude. It was so, I could not believe that her friend said that. Even if it's the truth, I was like, what the fuck? You're not supposed to actually say that out loud. <laughs> it was so weird. Um, and Mackenzie's like, wow, why'd you think that? And she's like, 
he was just swaying. His hand was here. Your hand was there. It just looked awkward. <laughs> that was her friend's way of saying, like, you two are terrible together. <laughs> that's essentially what she was saying. Right? Like, that's what she seemed to be saying. Mac. Ugh, Mac, what are you doing, girl? What are you doing? I They should have called this whole thing off. Uh, we see them go to cut the cake, and Ryan says, Is this real? So y'all got a real one? How much did this cost? I didn't know fake wedding cakes were a thing, but apparently there's a new trend where you just get a real uh, cake topper and a fake rest of the cake, and then you do, like, you serve sheet cakes or cupcakes or whatever. I don't know how I feel about that. I actually don't really have feelings about that. I think the wedding industry is a scam. So I guess, like, bully for you, like, for saving money I, I all I'm all for it I guess if you're saving money I think it's kind of weird but planning weddings are unnecessarily expensive so you know I guess go fake cakes and Mace or Mackenzie tells us that it was $350 now we get the one good scene of this episode which is Jen and Macy have a very drunk like I love you moment which I love Jen and Macy like they hug and they're both like, we're good. And Jen's like, I was so worried. Like, we're just, weren't doing good. Macy is so fucking drunk. And she's like, no, no, I love you. I love you. And she, like, turns to whoever they're with. And she's like, she's my mom. It will never change. It'll never go away. Like, I love her. <laughs> we fight sometimes, but we still love each other. And Macy says, I'm so thankful for you. And you know what? Sometimes that's all you need. You know, you just need to get drunk and say, I love you, and it's okay. My friend Katie, who listens to this, we used to have many fights, and then we would get drunk and make up. <laughs> that was our thing in our early 20s, <laughs> was to fight, and then Katie would forget she was mad at me because we were drunk, and I would make her love me again. <laughs> that was my go-to move for her. <laughs> Like, that is sometimes, you know, all you need. You just need, like, everybody's inhibitions need to get dropped a little bit. And it makes apologizing a lot easier. And you can kind of just be like, I mean, I don't need to explain this to you guys. I'm sure most of you who listen to this have had a fight and a drunk makeup with someone in college or in your early 20s where it's just like, you know what? You're drunk and you realize, like, I actually really don't care about all that. And I think Macy, when she's drunk, can let go of her stubbornness, which is probably part of the reason that she drinks so much. Because once she's drunk, she can, like, stop carrying the weight of being stubborn. Because it's hard to walk around on this earth being so stubborn and set in your ways. And she can get drunk and be like, you know what, I actually don't give a fuck, Jen. I'm not mad at you. You weren't the problem here. It was Ryan. It's always been Ryan. And this bitch she's marrying. That's who I'm mad at. <laughs> it was a cute scene and I was really, I was really happy to get it. Um, Ryan has dip in his mouth while they're cutting the cake. So he's like, I can't bite into this. <laughs> it's just a goddamn mess. We also get a cute little scene of Larry giving a toast. Bentley's on stage with him and Larry basically describes what it's like to be married to his best friend. And he's like, you know, I married my best friend and now you did. And he calls Mackenzie Mac Attack, which I thought was, like, weird. <laughs> I think everybody was pretty lit by this point. And Ryan actually tears up. Now, I read some speculation. 
maybe he's tearing up because he realizes he doesn't love Mackenzie the way that Jen loves or Larry loves Jen. I don't think that's it. I think Larry is so mean to Ryan and has been so mean to Ryan his whole life that when he shows genuine like love and care towards Ryan like he did in this speech that Ryan cries and appreciates it. Also, let's remember Ryan was wasted. He his inhibitions were down too. I'm sure he felt like I I love my dad and it's nice that he gave me this genuine speech. I don't think he was crying because he was like regretting marrying Mackenzie. I don't think Ryan's that deep, guys. I just don't. I think his dad was being nice to him and that made him feel good. Also, I wanted to say that I thought Macy looked beautiful in that green dress. Her back tattoos are awful and they really ruin a backless look. But that green dress was great on her and she looked wonderful. And I want you all to know that I typed these notes on Microsoft Word because I got Office this week. I got some deal where I got a lifetime subscription subscription, I guess that's the word, for Microsoft Office for $6.99. So I bought it. I saw it on Twitter. I thought it was fake, but it wasn't. It was real. So I didn't have to use Open Office and navigating the system is so much easier. I know nobody cares. But anyway, yeah, the wedding was, it was tough. That was tough to watch. I'm trying to, like, it really was reminiscent of Cynthia and Peter getting married. I mean, Ryan wasn't nearly as hammered as uh, Peter was, but their families weren't into it. I don't know. I have to wonder what Jen talks about at night when it comes to Mackenzie and Ryan's marriage. You know she puts on a brave front. I wonder what Mackenzie's parents think about it. Do you think Mackenzie's parents watch the show? They have to, right? I mean, I don't know. My mom and dad don't listen to this podcast my, mom, my dad doesn't even listen to any podcasts. My mom does, though, but she doesn't care to listen to me on a podcast. So I don't know if my parents would watch me on TV. Would your parents watch you on TV? Mackenzie is an only child. I think they probably watch her. What do you think Mackenzie's parents are like? If I could interview anybody for this show, maybe it'd be Mackenzie's dad. I'm really curious as to what they think of Ryan. Ugh. Really curious. So anyway, that was a weird and depressing wedding, and I feel bad for Mackenzie because she's so pathetic. I can't hate her because she's just so pathetic. And Ryan is a fucking asshole. He's just an asshole, and that's all there is to it. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye! This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.